Whether you drive a car, need a car, or just occasionally bum a ride with friends, you've come to the right place. Join Jill and Tom as they break down everything that's going on in the auto world. New car reviews, shopping tips, driving green, electric cars, classic cars, and plenty of great guests. This is the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast. All right, this is the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast, and I am indeed Tom Appel, publisher of Consumer Guide Automotive. Thank you for joining us today. Hey, when you have a chance, join us at consumerguide.com. Check out our all-new website. It's really cool. And and the big news there is if you miss an episode, which is unforgivable, you can stream back episodes right there on our homepage. Jill, you're in studio. I am in studio. Yeah, she's Jill Seminolo. She is a North American Car of the Year juror. You you do stuff at uh, Pickup Truck Plus SUV Talk. I do. This is one of those days where I was going to get your title wrong again. <laughs> You know what? Today is it's just editor that day. In chief. And no, it's not. It's managing, managing editor. editor. <laughs> See, one doesn't seem like more to me than the other. Uh, yeah, you know, I feel like supreme being overall is the more appropriate title, and uh, the publisher is, you know, not actually my boss, but that's, you know. Did I you ever to- watch Lou Grant? Uh, no, I did not. The publisher, Mrs. Pinchon, uh-huh. did not have anything to do with day to day operation. <laughs> my title as publisher is a misnomer. I, I like write things in pencil and erase them and and edit stuff but you publish things i do at the end of the thing i hit publish exactly there you go so how are you i am good yeah i'm i'm not great i'm not awful i am i am good the weather's weird the weather is weird today's just a, a weird day so i it's funny i um the have you have you heard anything about the mitsubishi triton no Okay, so um, it's a new pickup truck that's coming from Mitsubishi, and I was looking on the website, and I thought the global reveal for that vehicle was today. So I like emailed Jeremy Barnes, who is our Mitsubishi PR contact, and I was like, "Can I get any information on this? Is this coming to the U.S. market? Is it you know blah 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 blah?" And then I like sent my publisher the information. I was like, "This is being launched today," and he's like, "Jill, July twenty sixth." Oh, and I'm like. Oh. And it's called Triton? <laughs> Triton. That's a new name for a Mitsubishi truck, isn't it? I don't think so, actually. Okay. I think overseas, globally, there is a Triton, and I think it's like the Triton slash L200, maybe? I've heard L200. Yeah. And they sell those in, they used to sell them in Australia. I don't know yep. if they still do, but like yep. the Philippines, Malaysia, yeah. Vietnam, those areas. Yeah, yeah. And they make them someplace in there. Yes, I believe you are correct. Yeah. Um, so, um, I think they're well liked too. Yeah. So it, it it's a midsize truck. It's one of those things that if they brought it to the United States, they would have to build it in the United States. Right. Otherwise, there would be that whole chicken, chicken tax, tax thing. Um, which we should talk about the World chicken War tax too. one day. Yes. Uh, you know who knows about that? I'm sure Sam. Sam. So maybe maybe um, we, he's going to be a guest next week. So maybe we can have him talk a little bit about the chicken tax. Right, so stay tuned down. for that. Ask Sam about the chick tax. Yes, uh, but so I, at any rate. To going back to your earlier statement, it's Monday, and um, it's a weird day. Um, yeah, I was a month off on the embargo lifting, and I'm like, what day is today? I, w- I was at my parents over the weekend, and that tends to discombobulate me. Oh. Yeah. Oh, I was at a friend's daughter's graduation yesterday. Okay. And I think that she is the youngest child of all my friend's daughters, so we're getting old. So you're now done. We're all empty nesters. You're going to start with the wedding phase now. We'll see. <laughs> I don't see any of these kids getting married soon. Well, fair. Fair. So, a uh, quick donut story. Yes. We have uh, a lot to talk about. We do not have donuts. We don't have donuts. And we don't have donuts because I went to Spunky Dunkers against my better judgment. And again, I love their donuts. Disagree with their taxing people for using a credit card policy and not letting them know in advance. Tax and, what is it? Taxation without representation? Is something, that, like something like that. Like At least that? without yeah. information. Without information. But Got I it. followed a woman, and I hope she's listening. I followed a woman who ordered six or 18 donuts, three different six packs. Okay. And each one she consulted the guy behind the counter on. Like, it was this process that, that there was no getting around. There was a guy before me, and every time she'd do this, the guy in front of me just, like, died a little bit. Oh, God. Because <laughs> I'm sure the guy in front of me just wanted coffee. Yeah. And I just wanted two donuts. You just, two donuts, and you're just like, that's it, I can't take and, it. And she's, she's done with the first box, right? She's got five picked, and then she's like, if you were me, would you go with one more blueberry or one more chocolate? And I'm like, he's going to murder you or just quit. He's just going to quit on the spot. This guy's Why just going to leave both? and no one's getting anything. Why, why not both? She's ordering 18 donuts. Why not just get two blueberry and two chocolate? I counted. Do you know how many different donuts they have at Spunky Dunkers? How many? 18. Okay, so you know what you should do? Get 18 different donuts. It's not that hard. Everyone's life would have been better. Oh, my gosh. 
Yeah, now they got to replace that guy. I'm sure he's just leaving. Yeah, you he's just like, that's here. it. Yeah. That's it. He's done. All right, we got a big show today. Later on, we have Patrick Olson. We do. Editor-in-chief over at Carfax. Mm-hmm. I don't know enough people know that they do editorial stuff at Carfax, but they do, and it's excellent. And Patrick, longtime colleague of ours. Yes. Uh, but he's going to be talking about catalytic converter thefts. And this is a big one, and I don't know if we've talked about this enough, unrepaired recalls. Oh, okay. So we're going to be talking about that and just a little bit more about what they do over there. But you and I, uh, Mazda. Yes. You and I, Mazda. Yes, we've both driven. Terrible. If this was written, we'd just cross that paragraph out. You and I, Mazda. That's not even a complete sentence. Sounds like a pop song from the early 1900s. You and I, Mazda, we have recently driven the CX-90. Yes. Which is all new. Yes. And so different, it's crazy. Yes. It replaces the CX-9, which is a very roomy, very big Mm -hmm. mid-sized crossover, and it's good. Yes. CX-9 is good, but CX-90, I'm just going to speak for you, Mm -hmm. it's pretty great. I'm going to, no, no, you're not speaking for me, because I'm going to say it's damn great. I drove it first, I Mm -hmm. loved it, and then I drove it a little more, and I loved it less, but I'm coming back to loving it a lot. Okay. Uh, So let me get the bad stuff out of the way. Okay. And, And Mazda's been trying to move up market. Yep. And they certainly did that. Yep. This is now very much premium priced. And and the vehicle that I drove, I don't know if it's one, it was $62,000. I, yeah, I, I can't remember. I drove it at the um, first look, so I, I, or the first drive, so I haven't. That's the vehicle uh, I drove. Um, I haven't had the chance. Like I, I just I handed drove, Jill the window sticker. She, yes, he did. I, I drove multiple um, versions of it, but I imagine I probably, yeah, so you've got, this is the Turbo S, the premium package plus, all-wheel drive, so it has all the things on it with Napoleather. These model names, these trim level names, are stupid. Yeah. Yeah, I don't... Why are they bothering with the Porsche S? Turbo S Premium Plus. Yeah. But let's get away from that. There's there's one engine and variations of it, mm-hmm. if you don't count the plug-in hybrid, which is coming available later. Right. And it's a three-liter inline-six twin turbo with a mm-hmm. mild hybrid boost. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm getting pretty good fuel economy. Okay. About 24 miles per gallon, which is really good given the power. Um, but but in stop and go driving, eh, it's doing that mild hybrid thing. Well, so Mazda is new to the mild hybrid game. No they, excuse. The, their first vehicle with that, and they I, want sixty grand for this vehicle. Let, this stuff should work. Let, let's be honest. Let's not call it mild hybrid because mild hybrid gives you warm, fluffy feelings in my head. Um, I think this is. <laughs> sorry, I just completely choked up Tom. He's like. <coughs> <laughs> I have I have never been warm and fluffy about mild hybrid, but go ahead. Well, I, no, I because <laughs> it's auto stop start. That is the actual phrase I think most people will identify with. Not mild hybrid. Well, mild is, hybrid is, again, more there is fluffy. Torque assisted launch. Yeah. So the big thing about mild hybrid is if you drive a real hybrid, mm, a real hybrid, a, a full feature hybrid, a Prius, an actual hybrid, a not Prius. a fake hybrid. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it will drive the vehicle on battery power alone. Correct. A mild hybrid will offer a certain amount of boost from stop. Yes. Which helps launch the vehicle, which does go some distance. But your engine has to turn on first before it it can move. Hence, auto stop start and a feature that I hate. I have done many rants about this feature. It's pretty good in this car. I hate it. Um, no, I hate it in any car. And the first vehicle Mazda put it in was the um, CX50. And I was so disappointed. I was so disappointed that they brought it over. You know, it's funny you mentioned the CX50 because that. Not that old. Was that 2021, 2022? Yeah. And and Mazda been doing a lot with engine technology mm-hmm. and almost nothing with transmission technology. They're yeah. still using an old six-speed, and their stop-start hasn't been great. Yeah. And, and and they've caught up a little bit here, but I, I didn't. the stop-start system here didn't bother me. Uh, it's just it that there was just I hesitate to use the word clunkiness because that might overstate the amount of... Uh, of weird transmission play at low speed but it shifts more than it should got it and you can feel it got it and it's just not smooth yeah i i again many rants against auto stop all right technology. we should actually uh, this vehicle is very good and we're talking about all <laughs> the bad stuff yeah. no there, if, there's if that is the heard, one bad thing if you just heard the part up until i blew snot you probably <laughs> you would probably never seriously consider this vehicle and it's oh. very very good the interior is gorgeous yes it is very roomy yes rides and handles very well yes it moved to a rear drive architecture yep which for most people won't matter because they're going to get all-wheel drive anyway. Yeah. But the inline six thing is interesting, and I don't think people care anymore. But that's mm-hmm. the configuration of the engine. Could be a V six, could be a flat six, which is rare, 
or an inline stick. This one's inline, which is a very smooth. Yep. It's the smoothest, but it's difficult to package under a hood. But they have a giant inline six badge stamped into the fender. Because it Dang. is an inline six. Dang. Dang. And and uh, uh, I don't I don't mean to make fun of them, but BMW's been doing inline sixes now for longer than I've been alive, and mm-hmm. they don't spend a lot of time badging stamping. it. Yeah. <laughs> They're just good engines. They, they are. And it's good in this car. And the, the interior is beautiful. The Bose Centerpoint Stereo, Centerpoint Audio System. Mm-hmm. I don't know what Centerpoint means. And I looked it up and tried to find out what it means. And I don't know what it means. But it's very good. And it's yep. standard. Yeah. It's standard. But this thing's expensive now. Yeah, it Prices is. Prices start at 40 Yeah. The thing I drove was 62 $62. But, but keep in mind, this is a 6 to 8 passenger vehicle. Um, one of the things that I liked about it is that it has a lot of passenger configurability. So you can get a bench seat in the middle. You can get captain's chairs in the middle. You can get two seats in the back, in the third row. You can get three seats in the third row. My ideal configuration would either be um, seven with the bench seat and then two seats in the third row or the six with the two captain's chairs and then the two seats in the back row. If you put three seats, three seat belts in the third row, that is a virtually unusable center person seat. Funny thing about that is I don't think anyone ever intends to use it. They just mm. like knowing that it's there. They just like to have it. Because no one's doing that. No. They just throw in an extra seat. Do you remember the Chevy Volt? The Volt, yes. the original yep. Volt. Volt with a V. Volt with a V launched with four seats. Yep. And it wasn't selling great. It never sold great. But but they, they added a, a second, I'm sorry, a third seatbelt mm-hmm. in the rear. And, seat, and sales like went up 20%. Like, no one put three people back there. Yeah, well, th- my family did, but I was the one who sat in the middle, and this is why I'm very anti-middle seat. <laughs> also, I'm sure you were always stuck in the middle. Always. Um, I'm sure, too, that a lot of people, when they have to cram three people in the seat, no one buckles. Let's just be honest about this. Yeah, I, I always buckled, and that was annoying. I w- but then, again, I was that child. So, I'm sorry, CX-90, I thought you would have yeah. gone with the two seats up front and the dance floor option. Well, you know, I can I actually I can actually turn any vehicle into a dance floor because I'm small. Did you go on an event for this? I did. Um, so when when do we see the plug-in hybrid? Ugh, you're asking me questions I don't remember the answer to. I think by the end of the year. Okay, it's not on the EPA site yet. Yeah. Um, Nor and, is it on their site. And we did we we drove the plug-in hybrid and I liked it. How I, was I that? don't I don't think it was charged all the way by the time I got into the plug-in hybrid. I started out in the inline six and then switched over to the plug-in hybrid in the afternoon. Um, so I don't I didn't have like the charge on it. Um, but I mean I liked it. I I mean I like plug-in hybrids uh, by virtue of the fact that I live in the city of Chicago and. Most of my driving, unless I'm coming out to um, Godforsaken Palatine, where we, <laughs> you know, do this, um, Godforsaken, do, do this, do this, rec- you know, this this uh, taping or the 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 um, live uh, podcast, but um, yeah, because um, it's really I, far out there I, and the I have traffic to go back stinks. To Godforsaken Palatine is in the middle of I don't know. It's it's hard to get here. Um, so unless I'm coming out here, I don't ever really leave the range of what a plug-in <laughs> hybrid does. Uh, and and so I really I, I love plug-in hybrids. Um, but yeah, the word here is twenty six miles of range. Yep, which for most people will be just fine. But as you know, driving an electric vehicle in the city is wonderful mm-hmm. because stop and go driving is so much better. Yeah, and my drive home today will be amazing because I'm driving an electric vehicle. It'll be amazing because I will be pretty much stopped the entire way home. Where It'll you, take me an where hour. Where are you and driving? Half. I have a Nissan Aria this week. I have been trying like crazy to get into the Aria. Maybe, well, yeah. I have it. I have it on the schedule, finally. Yeah, good, good. Like nine years later. But well, yeah, so maybe we... Is it good? Um, it Okay, so I'm actually in the middle of filming my review right now. I started filming it on the way here because I had plenty of time to do that. And we'll finish filming it on the way home. I love this. Okay. I love it. Yeah, I had high hopes for this. It is. So I, my parents live in Indianapolis. It's 196 miles from Chicago to my parents' house. And I'm always worried. Like, I hate oh, stopping. Oh, so you, did, you made that trip. I did. Now, I didn't do it in the Leaf, which I had the week before, yeah, but I did it in the Aria. Because what's the Aria's range? Um, in this vehicle, so it was a Platinum Plus with all-wheel drive, and it has um, 
about so I was getting between 263 and 273 miles of range at 100 percent charge, uh-huh. and I think uh, EPA rates it at 267. Okay. And what I want to say good is good weather for EVs. It's perfect weather weather for EVs, and the range estimator at this perfect weather is accurate. So I drove 196 miles and used 190 miles of range. I have not yet driven a mass market EV where the the range estimates were optimistic. Yep. Like they're always conservative, so mm-hmm. you can always kind of count on them. And in, in, in the extreme, in that case, the the Toyota BZ4X mm-hmm. for some reason wildly est- underestimates range. Hmm. Yeah. Well, because which is bad because their range isn't great to, anyway. Yeah. Well, it doesn't want you to be stranded someplace. But no, I, no, and I appreciate that. I didn't have to stop on my way. Uh, to Indianapolis to charge. I made it to Indianapolis with like 73 miles of range left. So you've been making this trip, Chicago mm-hmm. to Indianapolis for a while now, and mm-hmm. you've driven several EVs. Mm-hmm. Are you seeing more functional level three state charging stations on nope. the way? Nope. That they're, sucks. They're, so the first time, the first vehicle I took down there was... And this is why we're turning to Tesla. Yeah, exactly. The first vehicle I took down there was the Ford F-150 Lightning. And uh-huh. I stopped at the um, Electrify America in Lafayette. There's only one on the way to Indianapolis, and that's it. And um, I was at a, you know, I got I, at like 150 kilowatt hour charging. So thing. pretty fast. Pretty fast. And that's like the mid-level fast charger. Yep, and it charged up pretty well. Um, but and, and all of the charging um, plug ports there were operable. Um, and then the next vehicle I took was a Kia EV6 uh, GT. And um, by that time, only half the plugs were working. Uh-huh. And um, that was just like a month later. And so, um, yeah, so I had the Nissan Leaf. I wanted to take it down there. It only had 220 miles of range. I was going to have to stop at that yeah. Electrify that America. And um, it was a Chatamo station, you know, Chatamo, one port. So if somebody else was there, like that could be problems and going down I would have been fine but I think coming back I would have had to make sure I was at 100% charge at Lafayette which yeah. would have taken me like hours for people who don't know about Chatamo it was some weird standard that that some Japanese makers engaged in mm-hmm. it's weird yep. and it's now the Betamax of, yeah. of the charging world it was the OG but it is now the Betamax yeah I think it was first because the Mitsubishi iMeve mm-hmm. and leader just called I was was an early Chatamo charging yep. thing Although it used um, it used the CCS for low speed charging for home charging, hmm. so the whole thing was wonky. But right now you have a lot of charging stations out there that have one arm CCS mm-hmm. and which is what everything uses, mm-hmm. and one arm Chatamo, and no one's ever using the Chatamo. No, and it's so just if you dusty. pull up to a station and somebody's using the CCS, but you need the Chatamo, you have to wait for the stupid CCS person to leave. I guess you do. Yeah. Yeah, it's one or the other. Yeah. So. But yeah, so and we completely derailed the conversation on the Mazda CX ninety, which is could, an amazing vehicle. We can talk about that vehicle more, but I, to just sort of summarize that vehicle, Mazda wanted to go upscale, and mm-hmm. it's been doing that slowly. CX fifty definitely upscale of CX five, CX thirty upscale of CX three, but this one's the most extreme example. Yeah, and it's considerably more expensive, but it's considerably more luxurious. The interior is gorgeous. Yeah, I don't know what that suede like stuff is that's all over the dash, but yeah. it's really it comes it's, off very high end. It is nice, and and, and there's a model that has book binding stitching on the dash that is mm, it looks amazing yeah. I mean they've done some really high-end finishes I think I sent you a video that I did from the program and it talks about five good things five bad things so, we, will, we will share that yeah and if I don't remind me oh I will I never mean to deceive you when I say that yeah you do <laughs> oh yeah I totally share that Womp womp. I wanted to talk about an article and we may not get to it today but uh, I've written an article about the 1925 Ford Model T ad, an ad. Okay. I do a series called Favorite Car Ads. Mm-hmm. And the most important thing about this ad, and I'll link to it, and maybe we could talk about it later, maybe not. Um, 1925 mm-hmm. Ford Magazine ad mm-hmm. is significant because it advertised the Ford uh, Model T, I think it was called the uh, Runabout, for $260. And I'm pretty sure that is the lowest price ever advertised for an American vehicle ever for a mainstream vehicle and ford was so busy trying to drive down prices and get more people into cars mm-hmm. like elon musk in some weird way <laughs> but there it was 260 bucks it's a cool ad the ad just mentions the price at a little bitty footnote mm-hmm. but there it is 260 dollars. the lowest advertised price for a car the year before it was 265 and then the year after i don't know what happened and i can't figure out what happened 330 bucks wow yeah it went up like crazy because they everybody bought one, and so now they needed to slow down production. Maybe I, um, I think there were supply chain issues, yeah. which 
strangely, strangely modern thing. <laughs> All right. Uh, we should take a break. Yes. We come back. We talk to Patrick Olson of Carfax. Stick around. Questions or comments? Drop us a line at carstuff at consumerguide.com. That's carstuff at consumerguide.com. Welcome back to the Car Stuff Podcast. All right, we're back. This is the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast, and I am Tom Appel. Thanks for sticking around today. Jill, help me out here. Do I have to? Yeah. yeah. Dang it. A little self-promotion here. Uh, oh, for me? No. Yeah, it's later. Huh. We have a schedule to keep. I, I, I listened to the show last week, and I, I heard uh, my my uh, guest host, Phil-in, plug himself during this period. I was like, well done, Paul. <laughs> well done. And that's why we're never having Paul back. <laughs> we're having him back. He's good. He's and great. He amuses yeah. Actually, me. I get compliments on both him and uh, and Brendan Appel of the Sons and Speed. They're great. They're great fill-in hosts. They are. They're very good guys. Good. They're smart. They are. Well, yes, they are. They are incredibly smart. Yeah. Um, um, okay, but back to you. Yeah, back to me. Back to you. <laughs> You would like to shamelessly promote something. Yeah, Twitter. I'm okay. on Twitter. I am Car Guy Tom on Twitter. You know what I spotted last oh, week? What did you spot? Very popular right now with the uh, the Twitter crowd. Uh, a 1993 Ford F-150 Lightning. Okay. I think it's a 93. But with the high, not the electric, but the high way horsepower, before the electric. Yeah, quote yeah. unquote. So cool looking truck, yeah. and it's got like a Lightning sticker on it. They did a lot less with it. You can tell only really because of the wheels, a couple of stickers, and the rear tube bumper. Other than that, it kind of looks like a regular F-150. Did you see my car spotter last week? What was it? It was a Honda Accord pickup truck. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> there is a special level of hell for people who do things like that to old cars. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because that was a really terrible conversion. That was, it was, it was, I know, I think my, my caption was, what in the Accord is this? Yeah. <laughs> Not good. No. Yeah. Also, anyway, Twitter. Car Guy Tom on Twitter. Okay, got it. All right. Our guest today is an old friend of the show. We haven't talked to him in a long time. He is Patrick Olson. He's the editor-in-chief of Carfax. Patrick, how are you, sir? Great, Tom and Jill. How are you guys? Good. I almost spoke for Jill. I was going to say we're great, but I don't... Jill... I'm, yeah, he doesn't speak for me very well. <laughs> <laughs> Patrick, tell us a little bit about what you do at Carfax. Sure. So I am the editor-in-chief, but what that means is not only do I oversee our uh, editorial reviews of cars and our advice, but I also oversee the actual research pages. I work with a team of uh, developers, a project manager, to uh, keep those updated and as useful for people as possible. Uh, in addition, I also do a lot of PR outreach uh, as well. Like right now? Like right now, exactly. <laughs> Well, Patrick, it's good to hear from you. Uh, we talked a little bit uh, by email before we got here, and there's a couple of stories that you guys are following that I think have gone a little bit quiet in the media, and they're still huge stories. And one of them uh, is this crazy unrepaired recall thing. Tell us about that. Yes. Frankly, all recalls are important, but there are two out there that, to me, are incredibly urgent for drivers to get fixed. So they're called a do-not-drive and park outside. Mm. And the do-not-drive recall... The automaker and the federal government are saying, literally, park the car. We will come get a tow truck. We'll take it to a dealership. We'll get a fix for free for you. For park outside, they don't not only do they not want you to park it inside your garage, they don't want you to park it next to your garage. In fact, if you can, park it away from any structure at all because there's just that high a fire risk. And so as of May 1st when we launched the story, uh, there were about 2.5 million cars that had that designation. That has risen to almost 4 million cars now nationwide just in that extra month and a half. 4 million vehicles that you should either not drive or not park near anything flammable. Yes, exactly right. Yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of a stunning number. And uh, California, uh, Texas, and Florida lead the way. All of them have about a quarter million of these cars out there. Um, and it's just it's kind of scary. Can you tell us about any of the, the bigger recalls, like what cars are involved? Sure. So a lot of these, on the, a lot of the do not drive Recalls are from the Takata airbags. So Takata oh, has still. airbags where, yeah, still. I mean, years later now, still. I think that's part of the problem, I think, is recall fatigue. People have been hearing about Takata for about a decade now. Yeah. And I think people just sort of put it out of their mind. And I think I think the worst thing is is that owners get a notice, and they fully intend to fix it, but it sits for weeks, sometimes months. And after a while, they're like, hey, you know what? Nothing happened. I must be in the clear. And honestly, nothing could be further from the truth. One of the things that I remember about this, and correct me if I'm wrong, but early Takata sure. rebag recalls 
were repaired with still fail, still, <laughs> still um, faulty airbags. Faulty, yeah. So they were better than the old right. ones. Yeah, they were better than the old ones because yeah, they weren't right. old. But they were they were going right. to have to they be replaced. They were still like sending shrapnel into your body if they you know exploded. Something like that. <laughs> well, so what happens is, yeah, the chemicals respond poorly to heat and humidity. So mm-hmm. the thinking was, if we can take out these really bad ones that are about ready to, to pop and replace them with ones that haven't been in heat and humidity, it's going to buy us some time. Because they were talking 50 million plus vehicles oh, right. that yeah. you needed to, to replace them in. And I think it, we're still over 10 million on those. Um, not, and to be clear, not every Takata airbag is a do not drive recall. But Tom's point is exactly right, is they replaced ones that they thought were really bad with ones that they thought, well, they can't be bad yet. And um, at some point, they got to catch up with the Takata company, went out of business, and so they're having to rely on other auto uh, airbag makers to to fill the gap. So if if people want to find out if their car is involved and they need to do this, they can find out through you guys? Absolutely. So they go to carfax.com slash recall. You can plug in either your VIN. And a lot of people don't know their VIN, which is the vehicle identification number. You can also just plug in your license plate license plate information in there. Oh. And we will tell you for free uh, whether or not there is an unfixed recall on your vehicle. Wait a minute. So I could literally go up to Tom's house and look at his vehicle, take a picture of it, and just put his license plate number into like, Carfax.com. Because um, I love coming up to Palatine so much to do that. Uh, <laughs> then I, I, I would get the information on Tom's car. So like anybody could do this for a vehicle that they see. That seems a little creepy. <laughs> no, I don't think it's creepy at all. I think it's a matter of being aware of what's around you, right? It's, there are people who take Uber and Lyft. I think it's a okay. good way for them to check on their car they're getting into uh, to see whether or not that, you know, that share, that rideshare vehicle has an unfixed recall. Um, I think the reason it's good for people to know is that you can tell your neighbor, hey, you haven't been obviously been on Carfax, but I have, and your car has a very urgent recall against it. You should probably get that fixed. Think, we- you know, the, the reality for me is, is that there are people out there who, by taking a simple step of getting this done, they can protect their family, they protect their community, they protect themselves, and literally they can save lives today by getting this work done. Yeah, absolutely do that. The airbag thing is awful. uh, Yeah. Your Uh, airbag is supposed to save your life. (laughs) Not kill you. (laughs) Right, right. To talk about park outside, the other one that's sort of big in the news is Hyundai and Kia vehicles and the problems that they've had with fires. And again, it's not just them, right? So, you know, the Takata is 19 automakers and tens of millions of vehicles. Parked outside is not just Hyundai and Kia, although they're probably the best known. And just for those two brands, NHTSA has the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration has tracked more than 3,000 fires nationwide. So these are not small consequences, you know, for these recalls. Do we know what models are involved in that, Patrick? You, we do. So if you go to um, Carfax.com and look for urgent recalls, we have an article that lays out there are literally more than 200 models. So I, it would take me all day just to go through the full list. And they go all the way back as far as like 2004. Mm-hmm. So that's the issue. Is the average length, the average age of a car on the road today is 12 and a half years. So we are talking the second, third, fourth, fifth owner of a car. And that's tough for the automakers to track down the owners of that point. Right. Um, and as more people hang on to cars because cars are expensive, and frankly, used cars are more expensive than they ever have been. Mm-hmm. So there are a lot of people out there driving cars with recalls who have no idea um, what they're facing. Patrick, you mentioned it being difficult for a manufacturer to track down the owners of certain vehicles. Wasn't there a situation, and, and Jill, maybe you remember this, oh, decade, half a decade ago, where the Chrysler Corporation, which may have been FCA at the time, I can't remember, um, got into trouble for not actively pursuing with due diligence um, the owners of Jeep products that were involved in a significant recall, I think involving the front axle. But it was a significant issue that that could result in a loss of handling, uh, loss of control of the vehicle. And they got busted for not trying hard enough. Do you remember that? I do. And also, Toyota got hit with a $1 billion uh, charge from the federal government for not pursuing a recall fast enough. And that's honestly, I think, one of the reasons why there are so many recalls now is automakers are trying (laughs) to be diligent about it and trying to, you know, a billion dollars is a credible disincentive (laughs) to to hold back on those, you know. Um, But no, I think you're exactly right, Tom, that there are several automakers who've been hit with big hefty fines 
for not moving quickly enough on recalls. And to be honest, the people I know at, at all of the automakers, they want to close the recalls. The right. reality is, is cars get more complex and cars get much older than they were anticipated to be originally. Problems crop up. And so, unfortunately, it's unfortunate that owners and consumers are the ones who have to deal with it. But that is the reality that's out there. You know, you raise an interesting point, Patrick. The I think we're at an all-time high now for average age of a car on the road. Uh, and isn't yeah. it something like 12 and a half years now? So cars are just exactly lingering. Half, yeah. yeah, cars are just yeah, lingering right. in the fleet. Well, which is great on one side in that cars are being better built, right? I mean, right. I don't think you and I and Jill can, can think about cars built in the 80s that, you know, they were lucky to get to 100,000 miles. And now it's not unheard of. It's not common, but it's not unheard of to get to 300,000 miles. And it's great that cars last that long, but that means you get a lot of cars out there that, are so old they don't have the advanced safety equipment and they don't have, you know, uh, mm-hmm. things like even CarPlay, which makes you more can make you a less distracted driver. Um, and so you've got these varying degrees of people who have varying degrees of technology they have to deal with. That's crazy stuff. Now you guys just did some stuff about catalytic converter theft too, and that was big news last year, and we stopped talking about it. But it's still a problem, isn't it? Oh, I think it's a huge problem, and so. Last year, we just came out with a list of the top targeted vehicles nationwide and then by region. This year, we tried to take a stab at coming up with a number of thefts for the year. And so we did a couple of things. One, we took into account catalytic converters that have been recalled because obviously not every replacement is a theft. So we, we took those aside. We also know that at a certain age, catalytic converters age out, that the precious metals right. inside are worn down so much that they're no longer effective and they have to be replaced. So we took those into account. But it was our estimate that about 153,000 were stolen nationwide last year. Oh, and certainly the news coverage continues apace. You know, um, you hear stories about rings of people doing this stuff. Mm-hmm. There was a case where there was a guy trying to steal one and the car fell on him uh, and killed him. Yeah, oh, oh, no. so it's, it's definitely a problem. The, the issue is the precious metals inside. So there's platinum, palladium, and rhodium. Mm. Platinum palladium trade for about a thousand bucks an ounce, but rhodium goes from anywhere from six grand to ten grand an ounce. Ooh. Wow! So it's quite an incentive. And then you think about like a big open parking lot; it's an open field for possibility, right? And right. these guys can do it in a minute. They get under there, remove it in a minute, and be gone. So they can hit God knows how many cars in an evening. Mm-hmm. Well, I you know I live in Logan Square in Chicago in the Logan Square neighborhood, and. I have, um, like, I belong to a Facebook group um, for the neighborhood, and I there is almost, like, not a day that goes by that somebody posts, my catalytic converter was stolen. Wait, here's a picture of somebody yeah. stealing somebody else's catalytic converter. Yeah. And it's just yeah. like, I mean, it is it is a huge problem, you know, not just in empty parking lots, but in cities. And, I mean, it's a big problem. Oh, absolutely, yeah. You really can't drive a vehicle without a catalytic converter. One, because like, <laughs> right. yeah. it is so loud, you can't do yeah. it. No. Also, you're hurting the environment. No. Yeah. Yeah, all of the above. Yeah, for sure. The And the other issue that's starting to happen now, particularly on the West Coast, is thieves really target hybrids because hybrid converters use more precious metals because their engine doesn't run as hot as a conventional internal combustion engine. Oh, so I they didn't need more know that. of those metals. Interesting. Yeah. So when the Prius gets hit yeah. um, and it gets stolen, like I have a friend who lives in Los Angeles and for her, it's going to be another four months before they'll have one to replace on her car Oof. because there are so few, because so many cars have been hit. So what what can people do to, like, prevent this? So there are a lot of efforts out there. So, one, there have been laws passed and or considered in more than 30 states so far. Um, and I know that more than a dozen have passed laws that target the people who sell the precious metals, right? Mm. And they're they're making them you know, take ownership of the thing that has come across their transom, right? Mm-hmm. So that's part of it. But that's not going to help consumers. And unfortunately, there's not really a silver bullet. In some places, like there's a uh, in Los Angeles or Santa Monica, cops are etching the VIN um, onto the plate that covers the catalytic converter. And that's great if you catch the guys who took it, mm-hmm. because that VIN will lead you back to that car. Mm-hmm. But if you don't catch them, that VIN isn't going to stop anyone, <laughs> right? Right. So there's And there's people who try cages and things like that. We certainly haven't tested them, so I can't tell you whether those are effective or not. But uh, I think the only thing that's really going to stop is the value of these metals comes down at some point. It didn't used to be this way. Like four years ago, this was not a problem. But in the last three years, it has just exploded. Mm. It's possible that the the value of these metals will drop as EVs become more popular. But until then, 
Yeah. Yeah, at prices like that, it's certainly worth the effort. If you're so inclined. Yeah. <laughs> but, but you shouldn't be inclined because it's yeah. illegal. This is not an investment opportunity. <laughs> no. Tom's catalytic converters, is that yeah. what I'm hearing? <laughs> it's a sideline. It's a yeah, side hustle. Um, yeah, yeah. One of the things I heard people doing, <laughs> it's funny to think about like painting their catalytic converter pink or something like that, which I think you're not supposed to coat your catalytic converter anyway because it messes with the temperature. But secondly, if you actually have yeah. to replace it, you just look like you're... Like you stole it. Well, and the other thing is too, yeah. like, okay, yeah. yeah, catalytic converter here, you paint it pink and it's like, this is exactly where you need to be to steal it, please. Yeah. Like yeah. I'm I'm yeah. pulling a bullseye a on point. it for yeah. you. Don't do that. Oh, man. Yeah. I think the intention's good that they want to make it more visible for cops to find later, but that requires the cops to find it later. Yeah. yeah. Which, by the way, they no, have a hard time doing. There's too many. There's, yeah. They, this Rarely is do. Yeah. Not a priority. No. So, Patrick, thank you so much for joining us today. Remind us how we can keep track of what you're doing and and what we should be looking for at Carfax. Yep, so just go to Carfax.com, and, you know, uh, if you go to our homepage, go to the bottom and click blog, you will see all of the advice content, reviews, everything that we're working on. And and the beauty for me is we have all this great data at Carfax that we are just starting to to squeeze and get more consumer insights out of, so I expect us to have some more big stories later this year. We'll have to have you back then. That would be excellent. All right. Always a pleasure to talk to you, sir. That is Patrick Olson with Carfax. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, it's quiz time. Stick around. Questions or comments? Drop us a line at carstuff at consumerguide.com. That's carstuff at consumerguide.com. Welcome back to the Car Stuff Podcast. All right, we're back. This is the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast, and I'm Tom Appel. Thanks for joining us today, Jill. Yeah. In a nutshell, in like 15 seconds or less, uh, (laughs) tell us. Can I do anything in 15 seconds or less? Not that I'm aware of. Probably not. Um, All right, I'm just going to buckle in and brace for this. Uh, Hmm. Tell us about your social media activities, Jill. I am prolific. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, All you right. said 15 seconds or less, All at right. Jill Simonello on TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, uh, Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, all the things, posts, all the things, at Jill Simonello, and I use the hashtag car du jour. I have to admit, my daughter, she's she's in grad school out west, mm-hmm. um, uh, and I miss her dearly, but she, her way of keeping in touch with me is sending me links to TikTok videos. <laughs> and, and Are they cute cats? No, they're actually extraordinary. Okay. There's things about the history of food. There was a really mm-hmm. weird story about a kidnapping. These are these great little nutshell summaries mm-hmm. of things, and and they're they're excellent. So TikTok clearly has some social value. You know what? I like. I I don't like necessarily the dancing videos, or the people who are lip syncing or whatever. I don't I, know who does. I don't. I don't really care about that. But I follow a lot of mobility coaches, and they're like because I have um, hip flexor. I'm a runner. I have hip flex. I have hip flexor issues. I have lower SI joint issues. I have I have things going on. And so I follow these mobility coaches who give me these exercises that are amazing. And um, I yeah, so I I learn actually a lot on TikTok. I, uh, this is way off topic, but <laughs> on YouTube, I'm uh-huh. getting more information about the Ukraine war on YouTube yeah. than I am in regular media. Yeah. And I don't know why, but YouTube keeps serving me up these things. And there's a lot of different sources. Mm-hmm. Some of them clearly Ukrainian source, so, you know, a uh, grain of salt. But still, it's weird how fast people can crank out a video like that and mm-hmm. put it up. And they're three, four, five, six minutes long. Yeah. It's kind of useful. Anyway, we're yep. off topic. We are, we are off you're topic. You're on social media doing I, stuff, and did you did you finish that? I did. I Excellent. did it in 15 seconds or less, I Excellent. feel like. You okay. went on and on and on about TikTok. I'm, I'm so impressed with you. I'm checking my notes. Did I complain about the woman at the donut shop? Yes, you did. Okay. okay. 18 donuts. Yeah, yeah. And she had to talk about each one. Yeah, at length. At length. All right. It's quiz time, Jill. Instead, I have cannolis. That's right. Because you left the store. From, from Eurofresh. <laughs> okay. Which is right by the McDonald's where I get my iced tea. Got it. All right. Jill, today's quiz topic is India. Not Indiana, but India. No, no, no. Further east. Further, for, just a little bit. Further east. Just east, a little bit. East of Palatine, which you don't like. No. Is, the, is Palatine east or is it west? It's northwest. Okay. Of Chicago. Okay. And it's a fine community. I don't feel like sticking up for Palatine, so I'm in a very weird place here. <laughs> Like, it's not thrilling. 
but yeah, it's yeah. Palatine. Got All right. It. Joe, I've got five questions for you here on car sales in India. Okay. Plus a bonus question. I think you know the rules. You have to get three of these right total okay. to call it a win. Okay. All right. Joe, question number one. Joe, which country saw more car sales in 2022, India or South Korea? Ooh. I feel like there's more people in India. <laughs> Couple. <laughs> um, but Couple. Korea really likes their cars. They do. Um, so I feel like the obvious answer would be India. And you tend to be diabolical though, and you give me the less obvious answer. I'm gonna say Korea. It is India. Ugh. By almost twice as many. And yeah, I think it's just the size of the nation that yeah. that, that three point eight million cars last year in India. Mm. That's a bunch. Uh, 1.7 in South Korea. South okay. Korea, relatively small population, yeah. but they do love their cars. Yeah. Jill. You did not, I know, blah, 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 zero points. You have no points. Uh-huh. All right, question number two, Jill. Okay. Uh, what was the best-selling car in India in 2022? Okay. Do you want a list? Yeah, I do. Okay. <laughs> is it going to be a Tata something? A Tata is on the list. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Maruti Suzuki Wagon R. Oh, I like that name. Maruti Suzuki. Yeah. Okay. Very popular company there. The Hyundai Krita. I may be pronouncing that wrong. C-R-E-T-A. I don't know how you pronounce that. Or the Tata Punch. All three real vehicles. Um, I, I, I'm going to go with Tata just because that's an Indian automaker. It's, yes, and they make the uh, they own Jaguar. They they do own Jaguar yeah. and Land Rover. Yeah, the the Maruti Suzuki uh, Wagon R by far. I like the name though. Yeah, it's a cool. The Wagon R is popular in Japan too. Okay, it's one of the Kai cars, K E I, those cars that are under K E I K I K E I K E I. Yeah, Kai. I think it's pronounced K. Key. Key. I think it's Key. Whatever those cars. Those cars got they're, it. They're really small, and they have engines under 700 cc's, so that they they avoid certain taxes. Feel free to spam Tom on Twitter at Car Guy Tom with the appropriate pronunciation of that word. I think most people say K, which is a shortcut. Okay. I think it's Kai. Anyway, Wagon R, <laughs> 212,000 units. The Hyundai Creta, which is the Hyundai Venue. Okay. 150,000 units, and the Tata Punch, which is a very small crossover, 133,000 units. You still have no points. Uh, yeah, no, I, I just, Tata, I like the punch. Joe, what is the base price of the Hyundai Creta? <sighs> I've got a list. You of, hate me this want, week. Do you want the list? Sure. $5,000, what? No, go. 500,000 rupees, 1,100,000 rupees, or 3 million rupees. Oh, that that means I should know how much a rupee is, and I don't. Um, I'm gonna go with the middle one because I have no clue. Oh, one million one hundred thousand rupees. Yeah. Yes, that's about thirteen thousand five hundred. You're on the board. Wow. When in doubt, just guess yeah. B. All right. <laughs> uh, Joe, the Tata Yodha, the Mahindra Imperio, and uh-huh. the Isuzu D Max are all what? They're all popular in India, but are they crossovers, pickup trucks, convertibles, or popular dessert treats? <laughs> Not dessert treats. Although um, Mahindra sounds like it would be a very good dessert de- treat. Um, say the names again. Uh-huh. The um, uh, Tata Yodha. Spell that. Y-O-D-H-A. Okay. The Mahindra Imperio. Okay. And the Isuzu D-Max. Mm. Are all popular crossovers, pickup trucks, convertibles. Or snack treats. I almost want to say pickup trucks. Um, almost. Almost. I'm trying to like Dmax is the only one that sounds even vaguely familiar to me. Uh, uh, what the heck? Pickup trucks. You are correct. Woo! You've got two. The Dmax I think is popular in the same markets that the uh, Mitsubishi L200 is. Okay. I think it's one of those, and they're almost always diesels. Mm. Is it so? Is it a mid-sized truck? Do you know? They're mid-sized small trucks. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yep. All right. You've got two. You need one more. You've got two more opportunities. All right. One last regular question, uh, Jill. What legendary car was known as the king <laughs> of the Indian road? Okay. Uh, built between 1958 and 2014. Okay. Basically, the Model T of India. I'm going to okay. give you a list. Ready? All right. The Hindustan Ambassador, the Delhi Star, the Tata Romance, or the Maruti Privilege. Good grief. By the way, three of those are fake. <laughs> okay, so say them again. Uh-huh. The Hindustan Ambassador, the Delhi Star, 
the Tata Romance or the Maruti Privilege? So I feel like the first two might be fake. Um, but I don't know if Maruti is a brand or not. I know Tata is a brand. But again, you are diabolical and you could, uh-huh. you know, put uh-huh. a real brand in there with um, a fake vehicle. Might have done that. Um, read through them one more time. <laughs> the Hindustan Ambassador. Hindustan? Hindustan. As the automaker. Yep. And then Ambassador is the car. Okay. Yep. The Delhi Star. The Tata Romance or the Maruti Privilege? Yeah, who would call a romance a car? Tata Romance. That just doesn't seem right. Okay. Um, you want me to cross that out for you? I'm going to say, I'm going to say, actually, you know what? I'm going to go back on what I thought. I'm going to say the first one is the real one. The Hindustan Ambassador? Mm-hmm. You are correct. Oh, wow. It's a crazy car. It was built in India for, for like 700 years. And even towards the end, because people couldn't always afford a battery, mm-hmm. you could crank start them. Oh, my gosh. There was a hole in the bumper up front, and you could slide a crank through it and start the vehicle. That is definitely weird. But it, it's sort of the Model T okay. of India. And it was based on a British design way back when. Uh, but Hindustan, very much a real car maker. Okay. All right. You have got three. You've already won. But Woo-hoo! we go to the bonus question because we do. As always, it's a topic from the show. I hope you're ready. <laughs> is it going to be about Indian food? Because I like Indian food. Um, No. Dang. I love Indian food. Yeah. You know, Peloton is great Indian restaurants. But you don't <laughs> like Peloton. Ha, 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 ha. Indian Bistro. Plug Indian Bistro. Okay. Over on Dundee Road. Incredible. Okay. All right. Uh, Jill, per taquitos.net. <laughs> Definitely not Indian food. Taquitos. Got it. There are more than 184 Doritos varieties. Which okay. Are the following, which are the following not listed among the current most popular flavors. Okay. Are you ready? Okay. Tangy ketchup, hot mustard, Dorito salsa, exclamation point, or extreme burrito. I mean, mustard Dorito sounds like a bad idea. But mustard on french fries is actually pretty good. Um, Ketchup on Dorito sounds like a bad idea. Uh, The last two sound tasty. Dorito salsa, exclamation point? Uh Uh-huh. And extreme burrito. I would eat both of those. Yeah. Um, I would eat any of these. Um, I just... Ketchup on a Dorito... It's like putting ketchup on pasta and calling it spaghetti. No, uh, not to help you here in any way, but uh, ketchup potato chips are very popular. Ugh. A lot of, not so much in Illinois, but you see them if you travel. Again, like ketchup, like putting ketchup on pasta and calling it a, t- a tomato sauce. You ever had Uncle Ray's potato chips? No. Oh, I don't no. know where they're from. Maybe the South, but they do ketchup chips. Ugh. I like pickled potato chips. I don't. Mm. I don't like tangy on my... Uh, anyway. Okay. Digressing. Um, I have no clue. I like the last two. So I'm taking it down to mustard and ketchup. I- I'll say mustard. No. Mustard is real. Hmm. Incredibly good. The, the The hot mustard Doritos are incredibly good. Okay. Yeah. I love them. So it's uh, going to be the burrito one. Extreme burrito is the yeah. fake, yeah. The, yeah, the one like, that, that sounded, sounded easy. Too good. I'm signing this because you did get three. All right. You were way off on the bonus question. There you go. Okay. Enjoy. Ah, thank you. Sell that on eBay. Yeah. We have uh, three and a half minutes left. Jill, what's going on at Pickup Truck Plus SUV Talk or anything else you'd like to promote except TikTok? (laughs) But I'm posting videos on the Nissan Aria on TikTok right now. Um, You know what? Um, It's not my story, but my boss is posting a story today. So the publisher of uh, Pickup Truck Plus SUV Talk. Tim. Tim. Tim Tim Estrell. He's been on the show. Been our guest several times. Um, He is posting a story today about the new price of the um, Silverado EV, the Chevrolet Silverado EV. That price, the base price, was supposed to be $40,000. That was like $45,000. They haven't actually said the Uh base price yet, but... It is not going to be $40,000. Of course not. Now, this is the work truck. The work truck. We should talk about this because they're only launching extreme bookends here. Right. The base work truck, which, by the way, the model that I think Tim drove um, last week was (laughs) $80,000. And that's that's like a work truck. So roughly twice what we were expecting. Yeah. But there will be, um, that's with the extended battery, but there will be something that costs less than that, but it will not be $40,000. Oh, man. So, uh, but yeah, so our coverage of that truck has gone live today, and I think that's something to look at. There is no need for a manufacturer to come in with a truck that affordable, right? Because isn't that's Ford, fair. Ford's having a hard time keeping 
anything like the lower end F-150s in stock. Yeah. And you even used truck prices are going up. So, yeah. um, I, you know, it's just it's one of those things like trucks are a hot commodity right now. They, just, can, they can raise the price. During the commercial break, we talked about this, right? I just wrote about the... Um, Maverick? Uh, I did a five, yeah, five cool yeah. things about the Ford Maverick, and this was a Lariat hybrid, mm-hmm. so front-wheel drive. Spectacular fuel economy, mm-hmm. almost 40. Mm-hmm. So what a wonderful thing. But the price of that vehicle, which <laughs> is still compelling, right. up 2500 bucks from last year. That's the base price. And then option prices went up a lot as well. Yeah. So this this thing, when the, remember, this was a $20,000 mm-hmm. truck. Nineteen nine 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 nine. Yeah. 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 That. Yeah. Yeah. This, the, the vehicle that I tested was thirty five thousand. Yeah, and you know what I find very interesting? Like Ford cannot build enough of these Mavericks, and um, you they, know they weren't trying though. The last no, few years they, they weren't. They trying. weren't. But like, I mean, it is a very hot vehicle. You know, the Hyundai Santa Cruz. I. I mean, personal bias because it's my truck for the Rebel Rally. Um, love that vehicle. But they are the only two automakers that have a compact unibody truck on the market. Um, you guys talked about the Ram Rampage last yes, week. Yes, and you you said that it was the Drive, another outlet. Well, reported. it's called Drive in Drive. Australia. Okay. Um, they have a source that says it is coming to the United States. So there could be a third player soon. Yeah, I never thought it wasn't coming to the U.S. I just figured if it wasn't coming to the U.S. right away, they might wait until there's a refresh. Um, no, I think I think it's going to be coming imminently um, okay. because I think Ram would be silly not to be a player in this market. And I am stunned that Chevrolet doesn't have something in this market. You know, we're running out of time here, but one of the things about Ram is that Ram desperately needs a second product for retail anyway. Uh-huh. And last week we talked about dealerships, for mm-hmm. example. And I was driving past, where was it? I was driving past a um, Chrysler, FCA, Stellantis dealer Mm -hmm. that has everything under one showroom. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that's happening now is that Jeep dealers are taking the Jeep out of that show into a new showroom. Mm -hmm. And it'd be nice if they had more than one product to put in there. Yep. But the other thing about it is the car that's going to be built in Mexico, the the Rampage, uh, has American branding. Yep. Right, the hurricane engine, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Everything looks U.S. ready. Yeah. Well, I think initially it's going to be built in like Argentina, but the um, the the plant in Mexico could build it because it ha- builds like a compass, which is the same platform. So yeah, I think they could avoid the chicken tax that way. Back to the chicken tax, which and, and I hate to, to belabor this about. point, but that's also the same platform that's underneath the Maserati Tonali. I'm yep. just saying. And the Dodge Hornet. The Dodge Hornet. Yeah. Which fun car. Yeah. All right, Joe, we're out of time. We talked a lot. We so, had stuff to say uh, this week. Oh, oh, we were going to talk about, were we going to talk about next week, next week, or today? Next week. It's okay. fine. All right, all right. So that was that was code. Yeah, we got it. <laughs> Next week. We got stuff next for week. you. We got stuff next week. You'll like next week. All right. Thank you to Patrick Olson of, Car, of, of Carfax. I keep trying to say cars.com. Because he was he from cars.com. He's with Carfax right now. We're going to link to all his stuff. So be sure to check us out on Facebook. That's the Car, Car Stuff Podcast on Facebook. Thank you to producer Randy and the good folks here at TalkZone. And thank you, Jill. Nice to see you in studio. Woo. Nice to see you doing your job for a change. Yeah, all right. Let's talk more about cars again. Next week. Next week. Yep. Remember to check us out at consumerguide.com. The Car Stuff Podcast is produced by J Turn Media. To advertise on the show, please drop us a line at carstuff at consumerguide.com.